Okay, um, we are honored today to have some folks with us. Um, four or five months ago, I got a phone call, and Miss um, Chambers doesn't know this, um, uh, but I had just got done talking with some uh, local pastors about um, what their churches do and their heart for adoption and foster care. Um, the theme today, everything that we're doing today centers around those truths. Um, the, the truth is, if you are in Christ today, the only way that you could be in Christ is if God adopted you into his family. Um, so every single person here that's in Christ has been the beneficiary of having a loving father choose to adopt us into the family. That is a wonderful spiritual truth. Um, we should all rejoice in the fact that we are brothers and sisters with Christ, and God is our Heavenly Father. I mean, that truth should change how we view everyone around us. Um, I know that brothers and sisters fight. I had two sisters, and they picked on me mercilessly growing up. <laughs> but they were still family. And um, that is a spiritual truth that should bind us together. Um, we might disagree with each other from time to time, but families always unite around what's most important. But besides that, besides that, since that is a spiritual reality, that should impact how we live in our physical world. And that includes even considering foster care and adoption. Um, as God's people, we should be the first in line to stand in the gap for kids that don't have a family that can love on them the way that they need to be loved. All right? So I want you to welcome Miss Zara Chambers as she comes. Come on up. Good morning, Central Baptist Church. Thank you so much for having me here. I really appreciate it. My name is Zara, and I'm representing House of Shiloh, which is a foster agency. Um, House of Shiloh is actually funded by the state of Texas, and we are under the umbrella of the DFPS, which is Department of Family and Protective Services. So I'm sure everyone has heard of Child Protective Services. So these are the children that are being removed from very dangerous situations, either from their home, or I'm sure you're all hearing about the sex trafficking that is going on right now. And unfortunately, Houston in Texas is the hub in America for this horrible, horrible crime. Um, so at House of Shiloh, um, you can go to the next slide, sir. I could just give you a thumbs up when I'm ready for the next slide. <laughs> and next one, please. So um, at House of Shiloh, we recruit foster parents. We also train them and license them. We also provide case management. Um, I'm a case manager and a home developer. I go out and check on the children and report back and see the difference that the child is like getting better in a foster home. That's the hope and the joy of my job is seeing a child that comes into the system so messed up 
and we immediately evaluate them and see what they need, see what kind of trauma they've been through because all these children have been through some horrible trauma. Um, just being removed from their home is trauma also, but um, some of the trauma is really quite unimaginable. I hate to tell you that, but that is the truth. So our vision and mission, every child deserves a safe and nurturing home, of course. And so our process, we always put the applicants through a background check. Fostering is not for everybody. If somebody has a criminal background or any history of abuse or neglect of children, do not come to us. You have to go through us. We're the warriors. We take care of these children. My boss at House of Shiloh is also an attorney and she fights in court all day for these children. So this is a very shocking slide and the first time I saw it, I just could not believe it. It says a child en enters foster care every two minutes in the United States of America. So just pause, just pause on that for a second every two minutes. So this is a cycle that keeps going and going and it doesn't stop, it doesn't slow down. So when I'm at work, we get um, emails every day on what children have come into the system and it tells us why the child came into the system. Sometimes it's a family, a bunch of siblings. And every morning, I mean, I'm on the computer and you see the little emails coming through. Thing, 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 five-year-old, 15-year-old, 17-year-old. It just keeps coming all day long. And since last year, I have noticed that things have gotten worse. Christmas time, when everyone's getting ready for Christmas, these children are being pulled out and they're living in shelters. And the very sad part is the shelters of overflowing. So some kids don't even have a place to stay right now. That's why I reached out to Pastor Andrew for help because it's a really urgent need at the moment. So foster care is a temporary living situation. At the moment, a lot of foster care children will go into adoption if anyone is interested in adoption. A lot of these children do end up being adopted because they cannot go back home because it's a dangerous place for them. Um, unfortunately, um, lately there's a lot of teens in the system. Um, some of them are coming out of sex trafficking as well. These kids have a lot of trauma. They've been through a lot of abuse. They need a lot of help. Um, so all our children that come through us when we place them in a home we put them through different therapies. I have some kids that have six different therapies in one week. So you can imagine. And once we see the children going through therapies, um, we honestly do see them getting better. So there is so much hope in being a foster parent. Um, foster care, a lot of kids end up staying with relatives, if not with foster parents. So these are the current rough estimate of numbers of children that are out there in foster. There's um, close to 500,000 in America at the moment. 
And each year, uh, about 23,000 of them age out of the system. And these are the numbers for Texas alone, and Texas is one of the highest rates, unfortunately. So reasons why children are uh, removed from their homes, the highest reason is neglect. So children are just neglected in their homes. Can you believe a few weeks ago I met two brothers? One was nine and one was seven, and they're the sweetest boys. They hugged me and they were talking nonstop, but I could not understand a word that they were saying because they weren't, I don't know what they were speaking. They've been neglected. It didn't sound like English to me. It was really sad. Um, I saw them last week after a few weeks and they've been going for speech therapy and already they're improving, but they're the sweetest boys. So that's another story about um, neglect. Also, there is um, parents going into homeless situations, of course. The drug situation is huge right now. It's probably bigger than we can e even imagine. And that's really tearing up homes. I find that drugs are Satan's weapon because it just steals a person's soul. And these poor children are involved in, in these situations. Um, a little bit about my background, um, just so y'all know, um, I didn't, uh, I wasn't born a Christian. I was actually, I grew up in Islam and about 10 years ago, some friends shared the gospel with me. Uh, amen. <laughs> and it took, a, it took a while. It was a process, but the first time I read the Holy Bible, I found that this was God's word. Um, I had been searching all my life. I found the truth late in life, but I found it now. I'm raising my family in Christ, and Christ completely changed my life. I was a financial analyst, and now I'm trying to rescue children. So he's given me a purpose in life, and I hope that you all can join me in helping these children. I really feel that uh, churches should work together and come together and put their arms around these children and protect them because these are God's children. And um, you can actually end at the last slide um, with all our, with our contact information. So there's different levels of children that come into the system. Um, we have standard children and um, the standard children are children that um, don't need too much level of care. These are like the normal kids. And then there's kids that are specialized, therapeutic, so each child is based on a different level, depending on their medical needs. Some need a lot of doctor's appointments and visits. But um, at House of Shiloh, we try to get our therapists to come to the home and work with a child, to come to the school and work with a child. So there's a lot of hope also. And um, a lot of the babies that are removed um, from hospitals, unfortunately, when they're born, because they test positive for drugs and so does the mother. So these babies are removed from those dangerous situations as well. Um, so I think that's all I have right now. Our main goal is to just protect these children, to love on them, to find them a home. Um, our office is in Arlington and this is our um, information. And I would love for emails to be popping up all day for parents trying to sign up to help our kids. So thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Pastor Andrew. I really appreciate it, and God bless.
Thank you, Zara. If you have your Bibles, join me, Romans chapter 8. After the service, um, there is a table where we usually have the golf cart, and Zara and her boys will be standing right by it. They have all these brochures. They want to make sure you get one, at the very least. Um, but they would also love just to talk with you, answer any of the questions that you may have about adoption and foster care. Um, and listen, it would be a good time to pray for her and that ministry. Amen. <clears throat> Growing up, um, my parents were pretty strict. My dad's a preacher. And um, so I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of things. And so when there was something that we were allowed to watch, I believe John and I talked about this this week. Um, we watched it all the time. Um, and um, one of those shows, I didn't really like it, but my sister really did, was Cinderella. Um, I could probably sing all of those songs for you today, but I'm not going to. And all God's people said, wait a minute, right? Um, um, but Cinderella, I watch all the time. And um, you know her story. Her dad was uh, very wealthy. Um, her mom passed away um, shortly after she was born. Her dad was very wealthy, um, ended up getting married. And um, shortly after he got married, he passed away. So now there's Cinderella. Um, and has no natural parents, and really the story is about the struggles that she has being a stepdaughter to this cruel uh, stepmother, and not feeling like she's a part of the family. Um, I just couldn't imagine growing up and not feeling like I was a part of the family. Um, I'm grateful for church. Um, uh, since we have moved so far away from our immediate families, for our children, um, uh, there are many of you that feels like grandmas and grandpas. And the Bible even tells us this in the book of Proverbs, that God sets the lonely in families. And I think that's a beautiful picture of what the church is supposed to be. Um, and so today, that's what we're going to talk about. Just imagine being born into a family who was poverty-stricken, a family that was dysfunctional and doomed, a family with no hope or prospects of the future, a family that was dying and that didn't even care for you at all. Now imagine that because of this, you were forced to leave whatever home that you had. But then imagine a kind, gentle, and loving man. This man tells you that he loves you and offers you uh, a chance to live as his own child. This man offers you everything your natural family could never give to you. He offers it free of charge. All you have to do is come and consent to be his child. It may sound far-fetched, however, that's exactly what God the Father offers every person here today. Today, we set aside as a church to consider how God has called us as his church to care for children in need. One of the many things I pray for Central Baptist Church is that we would have a culture of care for children in need. That adoption, foster care, caring for women and families in crisis pregnancies would be commonplace amongst us. I pray that all kinds of people of all ages would play all kinds of parts across our church in showing the love of our Father to the fatherless. Here in the Metroplex and all over the world. By the way, there are so many ways to care for children in need here and around the world. People say, well, do I need to adopt or foster domestically or internationally? 
why do I do this? Why do I do that? The Lord leads us to all, do all kinds of different things in all kinds of different ways. I would say, God's not calling everybody in this room to adopt or foster, but this prayer is simply us saying as a church, God, we want to do whatever you want us to do to reflect your love for the children in need. And I'm going to guess that there's going to be some that God calls you to foster and to adopt. We don't need to be afraid to pray prayers like that. After all, this is what it means to be a Christian in the first place, to be willing to do whatever God calls you to do. We are supposed to leave nominal spectator Christianity behind. Gone are the days that being a Christian means going to church and living a life according to your own plan. That's not what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Following Christ means living your life according to God's plan. We trust that his plan is better than ours. That's the whole point of being a Christian. So today, we're going to think specifically about his plan to use his church, Central Baptist Church, to show his love for children in need. We're going to say, God, use my life, my family, and this church family, however you want to do it. God wants to use you as an individual. He wants to use our families. He wants to use our church family to care, to care for children in need right around us and all around the world. My desire should be to do whatever God calls me to do to care for orphans and vulnerable children. I think the key to producing this kind of culture amongst us is seeing how the gospel uniquely compels us. It compels everyone in this room to believe the gospel, to care for the children in need. We can't help it. This should be a no-brainer for us. In this passage, Paul tells us that every safe person has been brought into the family of God and enjoys all of the rights and privileges of natural-born children, all because of adoption. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse number 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Let's pray. God, I pray that this morning that you'll first begin by touching our hearts. I pray, Lord, that we will be moved by the great need. Lord, this need isn't far away. This need is on our doorstep. All around us, there are children without a home or a family to love them. And I pray, Lord, that you'll first touch our hearts today. I pray that you'll give people in this room a burden. And I pray then, Lord, that you will give them a spirit of faith, knowing, Lord, that you have made them for such a time as this. Lord, equip them, Lord, and allow them, Lord, to be bearers of the gospel. I pray that they will touch children's lives and change the future for those kids. I pray, Lord, that you'll raise up foster families in our church. I pray, Lord, that you'll raise up people that will be willing to adopt some children that need a loving home even today. In your name I pray, amen. The first thing that we see about being fully in the family is the delight of our adoption. According to Paul, when we believed, we became the sons of God. 
That is, we were removed from the family of Adam, children of disobedience, and we were transplanted into the family of God. We are literally his children. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, do we have that? We do not. Notice that the first part of verse 14 says this. It says that as men are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. What this means is that those who are in the family begin to act like the family. For instance, there are certain people in this church who sound and act like their parents. Some of you just can't help it. You got mommy and daddy written all over you. As a Hayward, I have Hayward features all over me. Catch up, I'm telling you, my daddy... We go out uh, and just completely, we buy buckets of the stuff, right? Um, I just know there's going to be a ketchup fountain in heaven when I get to heaven someday. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, but also, you know, listen, these ears that I have been blessed with, I can hear 10,000 miles away. I pick up FM stations if I listen closely enough. Um, these are a family inheritance that I have gotten. My grandpa had these hope right yeah the, this nose I have it doesn't help me smell anything but it's there and listen it's family features the same types of jokes that I tell I get them from my dad right yep uh, I get them from my dad um, I have my family's features the same holds true in the life of the believer if a person is saved they are going to develop traits that are just like their father's the primary trait being that they will be led not by their flesh, but by the Spirit of God. You see, every child of God has the Holy Spirit living within them. And if the Spirit is in residence, he will make his presence felt and known. He will change the life that he inhabits. Verse 15 tells us that we have been delivered from the bondage of fear. And that we have been adopted into the family of God. In our society, adopted children often feel, and maybe even are perceived by some, to be second-class members of a family. That is a very sad but true reality. They are forever reminded of the fact that they were not born naturally into that family. But however, in our Bible... We are not treated as second-class members. When God saves us and we are in Christ, we are completely and fully in the family of God. That should be an amazing truth. In ancient Rome, things were vastly different than they are today. To be adopted was considered a great privilege. The word adoption, do we have that? Means to place... As a son. The picture of adoption is a beautiful picture of what God does for the Christian. In the ancient world, the family was based on a, um, a Roman law called patria potestis. It meant the father's power. The law gave the father absolute authority over his children so long as the father lived. He could work, enslave, sell, and if he wished, he could pronounce the death penalty. Regardless of the adult's age, the father held all of the power over their property and personal rights. Therefore, adoption was a serious matter. 
it was a common practice to ensure that a family would not become extinct by having no male children. And so when a child was adopted, three legal steps were taken. The first, the adopted son was adopted permanently. He could not be adopted today and disinherited tomorrow. He became a son of the father forever. He was eternally secure as a son. The adopted son immediately had all of the rights of the legitimate son in the new family. The adopted son completely lost all rights in his old family. The adopted son was looked upon as a brand new person. So uh, new, the old debts and obligations connected with his former family were canceled and they were completely abolished as if they never existed. When we came to Jesus, we were taken out of Adam and adopted into Jesus. We have a brand new father. Look at what Ephesians chapter number 1, verses 4 and 5. We read it earlier, but let's look at it. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Verse 5 says, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. God says to all who are adopted in Christ, I have, a, I have chosen you before the foundation of the world. Now listen, we're diving into the theological deep end here, and we don't have a lot of time to swim. So this might bring up all kinds of questions in your mind. But I just want to encourage you to believe and receive this reality at face value. For all who are in Christ, God says in his word, I chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. Not just before you were born, but before the world was created. God planned your salvation. God planned your adoption. This makes sense when you think about adoption. An adoption begins with the parent's initiative. It's not a child's idea. Listen to me, I have some good friends that weren't able to conceive. And so they began to go around and look for ways to adopt some children. And they ended up going to a, a wonderful agency, just like the House of Shiloh up in Detroit, Michigan. And they began to, to uh, get all of the training that they needed, go through all the expenditures, all of this. It was a long process. But then they began to zero in on a child that had just been born. This child had no idea who they were. This child had no idea that what they were planning. This child had no idea where they lived or who they were. But this child was about to be the beneficiary of two loving parents that had it all planned out. Because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we have all been invited into God's family. As God's adopted children, we have to realize that this wasn't my plan or yours. God looked at you and said, I want you. Listen, I know some of you, and that surprises me. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Right? I know me, and that surprises me. That God would look at everything that I could bring to the table and still want someone like me. God looked throughout history and chose us. 
God could have used in these passages any metaphor that he wanted. But he uses on purpose the adoption metaphor to explain how he saved us and how we became a part of his family. God uses this intimate metaphor of adoption to show you and me that he actually chooses us. You need to hear that. God doesn't simply tolerate us because he has to. No, he willingly chose us to be his children because he loves us. That may be a revelation to some today that God would actually choose you and love you and want you. Some here have been told that you are unlovable. Some here have been told that you aren't worthy. You aren't good enough. You aren't smart enough. You aren't talented enough. You don't feel like you measure up often. But God sent me here this morning to tell you that God loves you. He's called you. God has chosen you. All of you who are in Christ feel this this morning. Especially if you are struggling in any way right now. I don't know what you're going through, but if you're facing challenges today in your family, in your personal life, at work, if you're in one of those seasons when you just don't know if you can go on some days, if some days, honestly, you want to quit amidst the hurt and the pain, the loneliness and suffering, whatever it is, just stop and realize this. Before the sun was even formed, before mountains were ever laid, before oceans were ever poured, God Almighty set his sights on your soul. You have nothing to fear about the future because God called your name before time even began. It just blows you, it should blow us away to think about that, right? You were adopted by God before a star was set in the sky. You are immeasurably valuable in the eyes of God. These verses tell us that as children of God, we have been delivered from the power and the influence of the flesh. We are no longer led by Satan and the whims of our own selfish desires. Now we can be led by the Holy Spirit of God. Not only have we been delivered from our old leadership, we have been delivered from the life of fear that we used to live. Now in Jesus, we are brought into a close relationship with our new heavenly father. A relationship so close that we are permitted to address him as Abba. That's a special word, man. Listen, um, one of the greatest days of my life was about 12 months after Cooper was born. I want you to know it's his first words. Okay, This is important. His first words. But I was watching him one day. He grabbed my finger, looked up at me, and said, Daddy. Man, that'll change your life. He doesn't call me Daddy anymore. He usually calls me bro. I don't know how this happened. (laughs) I don't know when this happened. but (laughs) Um, But Daddy. Do you know what is being said in this passage? That we get to look up to heaven. We don't have to be super formal. Listen, when you pray, you don't have to know these big theological terms. You're talking to your Abba, your, your daddy. There's no religious hoops you've got to jump through to get to him. 
He's your daddy. You have this new relationship with this heavenly father. And he wants it to be so intimate that you can call him daddy. The idea is that we are brought into such close fellowship with God that we assume the place of small children who lift their voices to their heavenly father as hurting, as helpless, who cry out to their father for help. There's this idea of intimacy and dependence, but also a complete lack of fear. Of course, there is respect and reverence, but there is the sense that our father will not harm us, but that if he loved us enough to die for us, he will certainly care for us as we walk with him in this world. If anyone in the world should care for children in need through adoption, if anyone in the world should care for children in need through foster care or other avenues, it should be those who've experienced the joy of adoption by God the Father. Do you see it? It's a no-brainer when you look around the world and see the millions of children in need and thousands right around us. Of course, those who are adopted by God will want to care for children in need or become their family. 